In today's Mishnah, we'll on the 14th and 15th Mishnah from the 10th Parakamasech Teoruvin. And we continue discussing the certain practices that were permitted in the Beis Amigdash, even though they were prohibited outside the Beis Amigdash. And that is because we mentioned that certain Shvotim, certain Isri, the Rabban, or rabbinic prohibitions were permitted within the Beis Amigdash. The mission begins, If a coin got a wound on his hand, and the mission says, So if he needs to get engage in work, what he's labeled to, he's allowed to wrap along over his finger some gemi, some reed. So a few important points to mention here. One is we're specifically talking about gemi, as opposed to, say, a material substance. Why? Because then you'd run into the issue of what's called yitur begadin, which means that a coin can only wear four types of garments, a regular coin when he's engaged in avoda. If he had a material bandage around it, then it would actually be a problem of, uh, called yitur begadin, wearing an, another a garment that wasn't mandated. The next thing to mention is that we must be referring to a location of the wound, for example, the back of the hand, such that when he places this gemi across it, it would not constitute a chatzitza, meaning a separation. If you remember, we, we mentioned that there cannot be anything else intervening between, say, the coin and his clothing, or a coin and the avoda he's engaging in. So imagine on the palm of his hand and holding a kli, uh, say, the knife of or the like. So therefore, it must be in a location where it does not constitute a chatzitza. So what's the issue with gemi that we're only permitting it in the base amigdash? Because the Mishnah continues about Loba Minina. Outside the base amigdash, you wouldn't be able to do so. And that is because this gemi is merapekzad, meaning it does provide some medicinal benefit. And as we mentioned, that outside the base amigdash, doing things mishum refuah for medicinal purposes, broadly speaking, we saw exceptions as well, is prohibited out of, due to the gzeira, due to the decree that the chachamim were concerned that one would then start grinding other spices and herbs to produce medicines, which, and grinding, is prohibited on Shabbat. However, Mishnah continues, If the person tried to wrap this uh, gemi around his, say, finger or wound very tightly in order to squeeze out blood, then kanva kan asur. Then in both locations, meaning even in the Beis Hamikdash, it would be prohibited to do so for two reasons. One is it's not considered letzorah chavoda anymore. It's not really assisting him in doing his work in the Beis Hamikdash. And finally, more importantly, is because it would be considered chovel, a big sira malach on Shabbos, by specifically drawing blood. Let's continue. Mishnah says, Bozkin melach al kevesh bishvil One is able to, in the Beis Hamikdash, to spread salt on the ramp. So there was a large ramp towards the south of the Mizbeach. Now, the Mizbeach was very tall, including the corners. It was about 10 amot tall. So we're talking about, say, four and a half meters to get to the top. So there was a large, long ramp that was 32 amot, I believe, long. And because it was on an incline, what they would do is they would scatter salt in it, even on Shabbos, so the coin wouldn't slip because it was just a long ramp. So this was allowed in the Beis Amikdash, specifically in the Beis Amikdash. But why was it not permitted outside the Beis Amikdash? That is because it's like and it's like repairing, it's almost similar to Bona, and therefore it was Asumida Rabbana and outside the Midrash to say spread salt on these surfaces in order to improve it and make it not slippery. Next, Ummemalim mi bor hagolem bor hagadol begalgal b'shabbat. So the bor hagolem bor hagadol were wells that were within the Azara, within the courtyard of the base of Midrash itself, or one of the chambers there, I should say. The mission says they would be able to draw even with a galgal, even with a, say, pulling up a, a bucket with a pulley. Now, the reason why such a practice of pulling it in this manner, using this galgal, using a wheel on Shabbat, would be prohibited outside the base amigdash, 
is because since it's able to pull it up masses amounts of water without much effort and very very quickly they were concerned that someone might end up then drawing water to say what water their garden and then violate the prohibition of Zorea. Once again, since it's only rabbinically prohibited, then inside the Beit HaMikdash it was permitted. And finally, Umbe'er HaKar B'yomtav. Now, Be'er HaKar was not inside the Beit HaMikdash. It was outside the Beit HaMikdash. But nonetheless, this particular well, Chachamim provided a heter. They permitted it effectively because that was for the needs of the Bnei Gola, meaning those people that were outside Israel that were coming to Yerushalayim on the Aliyah Regel, and they needed this water, so therefore, at a, a particular time, they permitted Onyontov to draw up water. That was in the time of actually the Nevi'im that they permitted it. It says if there was Chagas, Chari, Malachi, and since they permitted this particular one, that the Heter endured and continued to be in that state, that one was allowed to draw water from that particular well. Even with the Galgal, however, any other well, one would not be able to do so. Now let's continue with Mishnah Tetvav. Mishnah says, this is, and this is the last mission in the Masech Deruvin. It says, If they found a Sheretz, which is one of the dead creepy crawlies that is a source of Tumah, or one of the teeming creatures, I should say, and I think we've mentioned them previously, it says, What he can do, a coin can remove it using his sash, his belt. Why? Because this Sheretz is itself a source of Tumah, and it's an Avatoma, and it transfers Tumah only via contact. Now, if he places his belt on it, that belt will become a Rishon Latuma. And a Rishon Latuma can only make food and drink Tameh. It cannot make a human being Tameh. So, in this manner, if he can remove it by using his sash to do so, the Kohen will remain Tahor. So, that is the best way to do it. Let's remove it in that way. And let's make it as quick as possible. So, in other words, it's preferable going to the Tanakama. Despite the fact he will make his sash Tameh, it's best to do so because that's the quickest way of removing it. That's the that's opinion of Rabbi Yochanan ben Broca. However, Rabbi Yehuda disagrees. He said, choose a tzavat shaletz. Now, tzavat isn't a tongs, but we're dealing with really basically two planks of wood that are completely flat, such that we're dealing with something that will not become tamer. It's not susceptible to tamer because there's no kli kibble, there's no receptacle in it. And a kli eitz, earthenware utensils that are completely flat and not susceptible to tamer. So he says, use those instead, in order not to increase more tumor within the base of Igdash. Because if one used the sash, then the sash itself would become tamer and potentially make other things tamer, albeit not the coin himself. So Mishnah says, meaning, when were the Chachamim lenient such that they allowed this Isul Shvut to remove the Sheretz? Depends on what location. So the Isul Shvut here is referring to Mukta actually handling and moving this dead Sheretz. According to the first opinion, it's Mina Hichal or Mina Ulam or Mibin Ha'ulam Lamizbeach. So I'll explain very briefly some of the parts of the Beis When we learn later, we'll go into much more detail, and you'll be able to, once we get to that level of detail, you'll be able to close your eyes and imagine the Beis But in a nutshell, what it's referring to is really the, the closest parts. So the Heichal is the area that had the Kodesh and the Kodesh of Kodashim. So all the, say, the Shulchan, the Menorah, the Aaron, all these were located in the so Kodesh, and the Kodesh of Kodashim had the Aaron. Also the Mizbeach Zahav, the Golden Altar. That's the Heichal. The Ulam was a large antechamber that was before it, and that's all in the same building. And this was located in the Azara, which is the courtyard. Further to the to the east was the large Mizbeach outside that we're referring to before. They had the massive ramp where the actual Korbanot were offered. The golden altar inside the Heichal was actually for only Ketoret. So what the Mishnah is saying is, according to the first opinion, this leniency to override Isul Shvut to remove this Sheretz, is only if it's found in those locations, either the Heichal Ulam or between the Heichal and the Mizbeach. 
That's the opinion. That's Rabbi Shimon ben Nanas. However, Rabbi Kiva disagrees. He says, actually, the heter, this mission to remove it and override Yusuf Shavuot, is much broader than that. He's, Rabbi Kiva says, He said, any place where one would be chayev if he was in a state of tumah, for entering that location, and he would be chayev if he did deliberately with the punishment of karet, or if he did it by mistake, and he forgot he was tamer, and he entered there, he'd have to bring a chatat. It's those locations you could remove the sheretz overriding the shvot, and that isn't actually the entire azara, the entire courtyard. So, misham motzinato, or shar kol makomot. What about any other locations? Meaning, contrary to in other locations of the Azara, or contrary to for example, if beyond that, for example, in the Lishchaot, in the chambers around it. So, the Mishnah says, Kofina love Pchaster. What you do is you simply cover over the source of Tumor with a large pot and wait till after Shabbos, and then you can remove it without violating any prohibitions. Uh, rabbinic prohibitions, I should say. So, Rabbi Shimon Omer, now, Mesechta closes returning to a, some debates that we addressed earlier in the Mesechta. So Rabbi Shimon says, In certain locations where Chachamim permitted, meaning permitted you do something, they, they gave from what was already mutar. So that's referring to, if you remember, we said that if someone steps outside the Tchum, even one Amar, there was a debate whether he can come back or not. Now Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion that even if you go 15 Amot outside, then you would still be considered within the Tchum. Why? Because if you remember, we said that they were mipnei that when they measured out, they stopped short by 15 amot. So in other words, mishachan nulacha, I mean, the fact they let you come back in is because it's within that region that was mutar really anyway. It continues, shelo hitirulach ela mishum shavut, meaning those things were permitted in the Beis Migdash were permitted because they are what's called isurim, that are shvut, meaning asumidurabanan. Now, so what, what's this referring to? So here, Rabbi Shimon's actually, the way it's explained, is actually being more stringent. So this returns to another debate. If you remember, we said if the, if the lyres or the harps of the levim, the strings broke, we said at the time one would be able to tie them up together. And that was with, even with a knot. Over here in this case, Rabbi Shimon says he's actually being more machmir, and he says is that actually that type of shvot, despite the fact you're not doing a kesher shel kaima, since it's so close to running into Isidore Reisa, which if you actually tied it with a permanent knot, therefore he even prohibits tying with any sort of knot. The only way he allows tying a broken string is with a bow. In other words, when he says there are certain things that are, that are permitted to you, those things are only asur kuzashvot, meaning this bow won't necessarily lead to Isidore so that's what's permitted. However, a regular knot that's not a kesher shel kaima, since that might lead to an Isidore Aisa, very simply, if someone actually made that a Kesher Shalkaima, then those types of practices, according to Shimon, were not permitted even in the base Hamigdash. Those are the Mishnah today.